Welcome to episode 73 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, David Morin. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by David Morin. David, pleasure to have you, man. Thank you for being here. Daniel, thanks so much for having me on your show. What's going on? How's your day going? I know that you you are on dad duty <laughs> as of as of late. So that's that's a quite a quite a duty as we were just talking about. I'd say yeah, it's a, it's never a dull moment when you're trying to balance uh, other people's minds and lives and emotions. I've got twin daughters that are twelve. I have boys that are much older. They're they're on their own military and college, but um, it's the summertime. You know, it's dad duty time. That's right. So school's already out, right? It's it's only June, today is June first that we're recording. It'll be out in a couple of weeks, but June first, school's already done. In Florida, yep. Okay, it's it's so interesting to me that I've had so many guests on the podcast in Florida, and I'm wondering is it just because everybody has moved to Florida over the <laughs> the past two years, or or what is it about the you know the fitness and health community in Florida that is that is attracting so many people? Yeah, I mean, you know, I look through the specter of biology in most cases. Um, I think it's, you know, it doesn't offer mountains or anything like that, but there's an all year round growing season and there's such a diversity of transients and population. Um, you have Russians, Ukrainians, they get up, they get along for the most part. Um, <laughs> have, uh, uh, Colombians, Venezuelans, Brazilians, Haitians, Cubans, um, so you have this kind of recession proof economy. Plus you have just, I would say for three, four months out of the year, it's probably 75, 78 degrees during the day, maybe low sixties at night. Just so you've got all year round growing season. So for anyone that's into health and circadian rhythms and sun exposure and, and exercise outside and snorkeling, diving, paddleboarding, outdoor adventure, it's, it's here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That makes a whole whole lot of sense to me. I spent I spent six weeks li- living in Florida last summer or l- last yeah last summer, and um, it was very interesting to me to notice that it had been after a period of of basically no lifting like li- lifting weights. Everything was closed here and blah blah. And I went back and I was lifting pretty hard, but being you know on the beach, getting in the in the ocean almost every day, and like I just I never felt sore. I always felt rested, and I just felt amazing. And I was expecting you know after a couple months of not lifting, you get back into it, you're gonna feel that soreness, you're gonna feel a little beat up, and it was normal, and I was ready for it. But I didn't feel that at all, and I just felt fantastic. And I can only imagine it was something about the environment, the fresh air, the sunlight, the sand, the water, all those things combined. Yeah, I mean you know, um, in terms of just being compartmentalized in your own life and then trying to set the stage for what you consider to be the most ideal, you know, exploration of one's potential. I think people are really reorienting themselves in terms of understanding what just a simple lifestyle, you know, with a a lot of exposure to their environment. I mean, environment dictates so much of gene expression that it would just make total sense you spend more time outside, you're exposed to, you know, allergens, you increase your immune system, the vitamin D, I mean, just the negative ions from the ocean, the sand I use almost every day as a, a resistance factor, if you will, um, just to strengthen my feet, my ankles, my knees. Um, there's so much to explore, um, you know, being able to swim and run and cycle. It's just like, you got to get outside and, um, that's where 
just a never ending battery charger is out there. So um, that's why I moved here. I moved here 2009, 2000, no, actually 2008. I moved into South Florida from Virginia. And before that it was New York. So it was like, I'm just, I'm just seeking the warmth. Give me the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Depression. Uh, It's real, you know? hundred percent it is. I'm, I'm, I live in Toronto. So, you know, very similar weather style to, to New York and I get it. Everyone, everyone is just grumpy in the winter and our winter, this one was a really long one, but it's like from November till April, everyone's, everyone's kind of just not as happy, not as friendly, not as, you know, no one's got a pep in their step and, and waving hello on the sidewalks. We're all just like bundled up and like, I just got to get back inside again. Cause I'm freezing cold and miserable outside. And you know, again, when I was in, when I was in Florida, it wasn't, you know, of course it was summer. So it was summer here too, but it wasn't like that. Everyone's relaxed. Everyone's laid back. No one's in a rush. Everyone's, you know, doing their thing. Everyone's happy to see everyone say hello and, and all that stuff. I think there's also something about, and you, you wouldn't know this more than me, of course, cause you've lived there longer, but something about living near the ocean that calms people down. And maybe it's just because it's this massive force, but there's something about it that seems to just slow things down for everybody across all countries, all, you know, coastal cities are just seem to be a little more, a little more chill. Do you, do you find that as well? Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, that's, uh, that's one of the fundamental biggest whys is, is, um, you know, why do people 70% of the population congregates around the water? You know, the blue zones are obviously hot spots in terms of longevity because, of their proximity to the water, their lifestyle, their diet, um, not just the food, but the fact that they're around water. And I find it fascinating too, just from um, a sociological kind of perspective, like I, I'm a big people observer, behavioral observer. And uh, I see when you could have a group of people in Miami, like they say they go out at like, uh, you know, 12 o'clock, they drink, they do whatever they were going to do with Miami lifestyle, you know, uh, 11, 11 is a club down here. That's a very popular club. So you could have, you know, the same people that would be at the beach all day that would be scantily dressed. Of course it's Miami. Um, they could be drinking right on the beach, um, listening to music, but because they're at the beach and they're under the sun, the incidence of violence and aggression is almost non-existent. Now you could take those same people, put them in a nightclub at night. They could have the same amount of alcohol. They could be around the same people. They could actually be covered more. So the incidence of competition between males would be diminished. But in that environment of a club, you'll find there's far more incidence of aggression and violence and all these things. And I always wondered, like, it's just, that's a perfect example of why environment dictates behavior and uh you know that's why i just i'm I'm never go to clubs always at the beach (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a that's a great thing that i've never i've never really thought about that you're right you know people people are drinking and having day parties you know all over the place not just in miami everywhere and you know very uh, of course it happens from time to time but way less likely to see like big fights and you know stabbings and, and things like this break out even even here and uh but yeah at nightclubs it's like kind of a kind of a common thing unfortunately where you you know you go outside after the bar and you know if you don't get in your cab fast enough you know the wrong guy looks you the wrong way and and now now you're in a fight with some guy over literally nothing and it's like well that doesn't make sense that didn't happen to me at the beach because i was just like rolling my towel up like it was that's that's very interesting that's very interesting yeah i think you know there's a couple mechanisms at play you know uh, definitely just maybe the ocean 
And like you were mentioning how it has this kind of profound um, relax, uh, relaxation response to the subconscious mind. Um, and then, of course, I would say sunshine, you know, dopamine, serotonin. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that come out, you know, when we when we go out at night, we get intoxicated, we're, we're isolated. Maybe we're not part of a certain group. We've been rejected, all those things. But I think like people at the beach, it's like, hey, you know, like we're all here to have a good time. Everyone's loosened up and uh, you just enjoy life a little more. So that's another factor why I moved to, moved to Florida. I, I spend probably. I say 40% of my week at the gym, you know, I go to the gym in the morning as part of my routine for stretching and just hit training in the morning and just setting the circadian rhythm, trying to watch the sunrise. Um, and like you mentioned before, you know, the profound effects of just the mineral content in the ocean, you know, uh, the negative ion exposure, when you go in the ocean, it just helps your body recover, decompress, you know, just pounding your body in the gym or whatever it is that you do. If you're pounding the streets and running or whatever, it just, you get out of that water, you're so refreshed. You feel just, you feel more vibrant and you can kind of transmute that energy into a flow state where you can kind of go into your day and feel more productive. So, yeah. 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 This is one of those things where it's like, there's certainly science to support what is happening and, and why it's happening. But at the same time, it's like, we don't really need that. Like just go there and, and experience it. And then, you know, you tell me that you don't like it. Like, look at me with a straight face and tell me you don't like it. It's not going to happen. Right. So we don't need, you don't need to know about what negative ions are and what all these, you know, hormones and stuff are. It's nice to know, but we don't like the average person doesn't need to know that. Go there, experience it. You're going to feel better. And that's it. I mean, of course we all can't move to Florida. That would be impossible, (laughs) but, but, but we can all, we can all do things to, you know, transform our environment a little bit. Maybe it is move where we live, or maybe it is using certain tools in our environment, like exercise, like the food that we eat, like, you know, red lights and, and certain supplements and things like this to, to get these similar effects to, to the extent that we can get them, right? Nothing is going to replace that. Nothing is going to replace going in the ocean, but we can, we can try and emulate that through modern technology, quote unquote, if you will, right? hundred percent. Yeah. That's a great segue. You know, I'm 47 years old. Uh, I've had some health problems in the past I've ever come. I've been in the fitness industry for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. I started out in New York. I work for men's health and, you know, this, there's this, you know, I do a coaching business and there's, I've got some young clients, I've got some older clients, the older clients know, you know, um, their, their minds calibrated. They've, they've been through the ups and downs in life. They know that, that if they want to sustain any, you know, legitimate long-term change, they're in it for the long haul. Um, there's a lot of young you know, people I work with and they, they just have a short-term goal, you know, maybe it's just to look good for the summer. And, uh, a lot of times, you know, they're, they're hit or miss. And what I find is, is that as I've gotten older, overcoming health problems, all these things, you know, my body's falling apart. It's breaking, you know, and everybody breaks. But I think the mental game, you know, um, if you can use cognitive enhancers, if you can use um, adaptogens, you know, you can use supplements to, you know, mitigate the effects of just, you know, being alive for more than 40 years. Um, You know, once you wrap your head around, Okay, there's, you know, I may not be able to, you know, sustain a level of performance for as long of a period of time as I did in my youth or in my 30s or 20s. But if I'm smart about it, I can initiate an activity. And if I warm up correctly, and if I breathe correctly, 
And if my mindset is enhanced with certain cognitive enhancers or certain supplements that can, you know, reduce cortisol or reduce muscle breakdown or, you know, um, increase hydration or just electrolytes or all these supplements plays a key role. I mean, you're talking of substantial, of course there's placebo, there's 30% of that, but, um, you know, with my exposure with supplements, you know, especially cognitive enhancers, things that get my mind focused, it's all a mental game. I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, special forces guys, you know, like uh, Goggins. And before David Goggins, there was a guy named Greg Plitt who was like, a, he was, uh, you know, somebody who I, I got into fitness with. He was a former Army Ranger, Captain West Point graduate. Um, he did, you know, two tours. And he was just, he's just my boy, man. You know, he, he opened doors for me, gave me advice and, uh, you know, supplements have always played a key role in, in, um, not only substantiating studies and being able to fund research for the efficacy of certain things, but also just building a culture and people will say, Oh, it's bro culture. You know, it's like the bro. And I'm like, every, you got to take the good with with the bad, with everything. And, you know, when you look at the supplement culture, it's easy to dismiss it as, you know, just woo woo or hype game or whatever. But I think there's some real game changers in the industry that are really doing their best to research natural compounds and synthesize products that are really effective and enhancing. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that a lot of these you know, newer companies that are coming up that are trying to really do it right. There was, you know, supplements have been a, a cash cow for a, for a long time now with wild promises and, you know, don't fix your lifestyle at all. You can sleep two hours a night and you can eat like shit. But as long as you take my supplement, you're going to look Jack, just like the guy on the cover of the bottle. It's like, okay, I think we know better now. I, I hope that most people know better. Anyone listening to this should know better. I talk about this all the time. Like I've been very critical of supplements myself to say like, hey, you shouldn't use it as a crutch. Use it to you know supplement what you're doing. It shouldn't get you to your baseline. It should put you above and beyond that, whether it be a cognitive enhancer or like a workout enhancer, a pre-workout or whatever it is of some sort. So it's like, yeah, we've got to you know cover your bases and then use these tools as they're designed to be used to put you above and beyond. And I think that is probably even more true with, with some of the cognitive enhancers. So the, the, the company that we connected through, Wukio, they, mm-hmm. they make nootropics and, and maybe you'll do a better job of, you know, describing w- what that is for people who have never heard of what that is. But my, when I first heard about it, I was skeptical as I usually am. And I think a healthy amount I was like, okay, here we go. Another, another nootropic. There's been tons of these. Most of them are, you know, yeah, it feels like a little bit of a coffee, a little bit of a buzz, but then that's it. And there's kind of questionable ingredients, but then, you know, you give it a try and then you make a, make a fair judgment. And, and I've, I've, loved their products so far that I've been using over the past like a month or so. But anyways, just to back myself up, describe what, what a nootropic is and, and how they should be used. Well, uh, it's been a while since I've, I've defined nootropic, but it's just, I, from what I understand, it's a, they're compounds that are created that have a certain amount of enhancement to mental function, whether that be, you know, recollection of details and facts, um, focus, concentration, um, creative ability, problem solving skills, um, you know, um, executive function, um, all these areas of the brain that can be 
in a traditional Western diet compromised by number one, I feel caffeine and glucose. So there's an abundance of glucose that's in food that's readily available. Most people are not on a ketogenic diet or doing a fasting routine. So typically the three squares a day will have your brain, you know, the, the glucose in your brain, brain, blood sugar, which supplies the energy that your brain needs to function, especially if you're at your job, you know, and mentally kind of have to be available. You know, that mechanism of, of energy goes up and down based on what you eat. And typical Western diet is like, you know, a roller coaster. So you're caffeinated increases, you know, uh, central nervous system activity, blood pressure, and then you experience this crash. So it's just a series of, of ups and downs all day if you're following the Western. And then of course you blow off steam by going to the bar happy hour after work or something like that. And then you get the rush of endorphins when you go to the, when you go to the gym, but what if you're able to hack yourself by using nootropics, right. That would enhance cognitive function for a sustained period of time. And then you were able to kind of incorporate a proper diet that would maintain glucose levels. And then in addition to that, you were able to kind of use particular tasks oriented and sequenced so that each one kind of feeds into another one, right? So for example, you go to, to the gym in the morning and you get that real big endorphin rush and then you, you take nootropics afterwards because you've already got this kind of heightened sense of you know cognitive enhancement and benefit from training. You add the nootropics, you go to work, you find that as long as glucose is stable, energy is stable throughout the day, you'll find a flow state, a zone is what you want to call it, right? You want to, you want to find this zone that's this optimal state of productivity, whether it be you know, physically, emotionally, psychologically. And I think nootropics play a huge part in that. If, if you're willing to adjust all the other factors in your lifestyle to support it. And you pointed out, you know, a lot of people just want the pill and th then they just think that they can live their life. But um, all of this stuff is emerging right now, I think for a particular purpose. And it's for human beings to really get serious about what you can accomplish. If you, if, if you curate certain environmental factors, supplements, dietary habits, exercise routine, um, even community work, community service, all these principles, I think you can re really, really maximize your life and productivity. So yeah. a long drawn out explanation, but yeah. No, no, it's a, it was a great explanation and, and I totally agree, right? It's if we can optimize the rest of our life, the big factors, like, you know, move the big rocks kind of thing. You, you got to be sleeping well and, and, and enough every night, like six hours is not enough. I, even if you think, Oh, I can, I I'm, I'm fine on six hours. I just have an extra coffee and I'm good. No, you're not right. <laughs> it's can't, you can't, can't get around that. No, no amount of nootropics is going to offset that, right? It might make you feel a little bit better momentarily, but it's not, it's not doing it. The most powerful thing in the world is not offsetting the fact that you're not sleeping, that you're not eating well, that you're eating, you know, Lucky Charms for breakfast and, you know, no shade on Lucky Charms specifically, but, you know, just, you know, it's not, that's not cutting it. So we've got to optimize everything we can and then, and then use, uh, these, these compounds to put us above and beyond. And we're all doing some type of mental work that requires some type of focus, right? Very few of us now are just doing something that is totally mindless and with our hands. Even if someone does work in the trades, it is not maybe as mindless as it was 
a hundred years ago. No one's just sitting there digging a ditch and that's the only thing you have to think about and nothing else. Right. So, so there is a, 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 a cognitive aspect to everything that we do. And so to be able to optimize that would be, would be a great tool. How have you used these in, in your own life and your own experience and, and what is your kind of like routine with them? Uh, well, I use the vert. There's a product called vert, which is like a chlorella spirulina. It's like a, a micronutrient, um, uh, supplement that I use quite frequently. Um, I do, I do also in conjunction with that, like a freeze dried greens formula as well. Um, greens or something. It's just so hard to sit down and eat the recommended daily, whatever of leafy greens. I do my best. I have like a huge salad, but um, so I use vert. Um, I've also used bliss, which is a, a micro dosing kind of product. So, um, I've used bliss inside for like arduous kind of tasks so I can stay on task and focused. Um, and that was, that worked well. I also used it, um, when I go for runs too, you know, I, and it's interesting, and, you know, this is speculative, it's anecdotal, but when I'm in front of the computer and I'm taking bliss, um, I have a really, I would say, um, a, like a kind of a passive active, um, state where I'm, I'm not reacting to anything. I'm just in a very creative state, but I tell you, when I get on the road and I run with bliss, I'm not so blissful. I get pretty, I get pretty fired up. Maybe it's the David Goggins I'm listening to or something. Uh, I, I tend to get, um, it, it gives me a little bit uh, of, a, of a kind of a, an aggressive um, approach, not, not, you know, not aggressive towards others, but just, um, no, this is not good enough. You know, like mile and a half, it's no, we're going to do three miles today. You know, like it's, I like it. I like it. It's, um, it's not it doesn't feel like a pre-workout where it's this heart rate, you know, uh, blood pressure kind of, um, a lot of people, you know, they tell me I can't take pre-workout. I freaked out on pre-workout. I'm like, I understand. Um, and then there's two other products. There's a, there's a daily product that I take. Um, well, there's the SE, right. Which is like, a that product is like what six or seven pills. Yeah. And, uh, when I take that, that's like on days where I've had to do, like I do um, instructional fitness video shoots where on for YouTube and things like this. I used to work for a company called Blue Star Nutraceuticals, which is a great company. They have a YouTube channel. They provide people with um, a lot of content in terms of at home workouts, no weights, things like that. So I would take the product before I would do some of the, we would have maybe slated for the day five videos and workouts with the dialogues. So the dialogue would be like maybe 10 minutes where I would go into a brief explanation, what people could expect, how to perform their repetitions properly, you know, the rest times in between sets, all this stuff. And, you know, I'm like, I'm reading a teleprompt and uh, I would just be in the zone with the SE. I would just, it would just be like, I was a machine and then performing the workouts was, was great too. So, um, you know, cognitively focused concentration, being able to like read and retain information, um, definitely noticed an increase in that. And 
and physical performance, the mental game, when you're applying that focus to your training, it definitely works well as well. I think, I think the body gives up before the mind does. And if, if you can really push your mind to a new place, I think the body responds quite nicely. So, and then the other product, I don't remember the name of it. I've tried apex is like the daily apex is amazing. And I should have remembered, but apex is, I mean, that product definitely I've taken it with pre-workout without pre-workout some you know, there's always concerns when I've, t- when I've taken, you know, something that's a cognitive enhancer with a pre-workout that there's some type of interaction that I didn't like, not with Apex. Um, Apex is just, uh, you're in the gym. Oh, there's a machine taken. Fine. Well, we, we can deviate and I can articulate. Boom. I can, I can find a workaround. Like there's just no end to what your mind finds solutions for when I'm on apex, it's a really, really great supplement. I find that it just, it keeps you fluid. It keeps you moving. Um, I'm, I'm big on, on, on active rest between sets. You know, if I, if I'm in the gym and I'm doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, a deadlift, uh, pull up, uh, you know, some type of row, you know, that combination of, of exercises, you know, apex is like, okay, so now you're going to do, you know, leg lifts, you'll do sit-ups, you'll do, you know, wood chops in between your sets. It just really gets you thinking five, six, seven steps ahead. And I really enjoy the product. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. How I've, about you? I've had, I've had very, sorry, what were you going to say? You've tried all the product line. Yeah. 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 I have. I've had very similar experiences as you, my, my friend who introduced me to Wukio, Matthew Busan, been on the podcast before he had a great way of explaining it. Like apex is kind of, you know, the daily driver. And SA is is like, you know, your supercar, right? And I thought, and, and I've had that same experience with it. Apex is like, it's just super clean feeling energy. And I know that that term doesn't really make any sense, but there's no clunky. There's no like, I don't get this huge ramp up of like, okay, now it's on. It's just a very clean kind of like onboarding to like, okay, now we're thinking clear. Things are sharp. Words are coming to me quickly. Um, you know, I can think a few steps ahead. Like you said, problem solving just become, you know, the connections are just a little bit faster, right? And all of these things just to temper it. It's not like all of a sudden I'm like super smart, like the limitless pill, like that movie, but it is, it is a noticeable difference. And then essay is just like a step, a step above that where it lasts for a longer period of time as well, where it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take essay like after lunch kind of thing, because I'm going to be fired up too, too late into the night. and It's going to mess up the next day of sleep kind of thing, unless I had to do something late at night for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, like that just super clean and like high functioning energy with no, no come down kind of thing either. I know that that's like a <laughs> come down is a drug term, but whatever. It's not, there's no like off ramp. I don't have this crash afterwards where I feel down or I feel like, uh, groggy. Like I felt using other nootropic products where afterwards you feel exhausted and and just foggy it's like i feel worse than than my normal but with with apex and with essay when i when it's you know when its effects are kind of wearing off i just i feel back to normal i don't feel worse than normal which is which is excellent i i think that you know a good way to describe what you experienced with bliss maybe is that it's not aggression like towards other people but it's aggression like in your own workouts and like pushing yourself for more does that does that seem kind of accurate Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that I can say, um, with confidence is the following day, I don't, 
I won't take any products. Let's say, you know, I would be traveling or just, I, I'm very specific about um, consecutive use. And because I like to observe myself, you know, constantly when I'm not taking a product. Um, what I've noticed is, is not only is there not a come down per se, like, uh, you know, one hour, two hour, three hours after the effects of daily use have kind of worn off, but the days that you don't take, you know, I think if you follow the protocol with some of them, some of them advise like bliss, I think advise like one day on two day off or something like that. But I've, I've adhered to that kind of methodology with all of the products because I want to observe. And, uh, there is no, uh, I don't uh, fog or a lack of motivation or an unenhanced approach to task. I'm still, there's like an afterglow effect. I think that is just a product of the productivity from the previous day that doesn't really necessarily need a cognitive enhancement to experience. I think you're, I think you've created a wave the previous day and now even without the product, you can ride the wave that you created. So, um, yeah, it's that, that was refreshing too. That was notable for me because a lot of those products, you get a little bit of a dependency factor. You don't, you, you don't feel at your best. You feel like you don't have the edge sometimes and not with these products. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think I also, I, I, I did the same thing where I would try it and then, or, or take whatever product it was and then not take it for the next day or next couple of days and just kind of observe and take, observe and take some, you know, some personal notes on like how I'm feeling and whatever. And what I, what I was wanting to do with that is, is to see whether I can actually utilize the product to its fullest potential. Like if I'm using it every day, then that kind of becomes my own, my new normal. And then I get dependent on the product. And I don't want that, like it has no addictive properties, obviously, other than psychological, but we can get addicted to anything. You know, if I have a pen and I twirl around in my fingers like this, oh, that's my, that's my lucky charm, whatever that can be addicting too. Right. So I, I didn't want to be get, get dependent on any of it in any way. And so n- noting that, Hey, I can use this when I need it, when I need that boost, the days that I need it or the times that I need it for doing podcasts for, a, you know, a block of, of deep writing or, you know, whatever it is, then I can use it. And, and it's really doing something. And I think, you know, to be fair, part of it is probably the pl- placebo effect of that. It's like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do this work. I'm going to take this. I know that it's having its effect because I've tested it on and off days. And, but I also believe in it as well. So it's like that, that little, that little extra boost, right? And I think that we can use placebo to our advantage as well. If we can convince ourselves that something is helping us or making us feel good, then, then that's okay too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, we need as much help as we can get, obviously. Um, there's so much out there that is being advocated to take that, um, doesn't have the credibility of the studies. It just has a lot of corporate backing. It makes it difficult for young entrepreneurs and, and go-getters and people that are formulators um, and investors in a free market to develop a product that really does safely enhance productivity and potential in humans. There's so many factors that are beset against the optimization of you and your life and what it means to live a fulfilled life. You know, they want you sedated behind a screen. I mean, we can go on and on about this and it's not a conspiracy, you know, when obesity, you know, is related to the three causes, the great three causes of death in the Western culture. Um, 
it's not a conspiracy that there's a force out there that's advocating for a sedentary lifestyle to destroy your potential, to, to, to affect your brain and, and get you to sit down a majority of your life and waste your time. It's, it's something we have to all, it's all hands on deck. Everyone, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with supplements or an active lifestyle, or they're all narcissists or whatever it is. You can take those positions and there's many positions to take and argue. But at the end of the day, if you're not getting up and you're not moving, then you're wasting your life. It's really that simple. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I believe that there's going to be, um, two groups of people in the future, those that are producers and those that are consumers. And it's already, it, it already exists now. And everyone reaches a point of that self-awareness. They're like, if I'm, am I producing more than I'm consuming in life? And that's the difference between you leaving something behind for your family. And, and you just, you're, you're just forgotten. You're just, there, there's no contribution. You're living off the state. And uh, I mean, that's a wake up call. That is a wake. So um, I'm, I'm happy that there's so many people trying to make it that are fighting, chipping away at the, at the, you know, the healthcare system that in many cases is just advocating, you know, dependency models for public health uh, advisory. So, yeah, strong, strong statement for sure. But, but I agree with that. And it is a wake up call. And, you know, maybe we, we need to hear more of these kind of like strongly worded statements. A lot of our health is more within our control than we have been led to believe. I think, you know, of course, there's an element of, of chance of, you know, disease and, and these things. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But we can't control that. So, like, don't worry about that. Like, let's focus on all the stuff that we can control. To a large extent, obesity is something that we very much can control. There are very few cases where it is totally out of that person's control and maybe it has gotten so far that it has become that but there are many many decisions that were made by that person or by the people who care for them or whatever the case is that led to that and so it's like we we can reverse this we can do this there are a lot of diseases that almost don't need to exist like type 2 diabetes isn't something that should be a problem it is a major problem but if we led healthy lives that I'm sure there would still be some instance of it just due to chance, but it would be very, very, it would be very, very little. It wouldn't be something that we would all like know about and talk about and have to think about in regards to our, again, quote unquote, healthcare system, which is more of like a, a sick care system. It's not keeping us healthy. It just kind of repairs you, you know, puts a bandaid on the problem, slap you on the button on your way. But, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of obviously strong, strong opinions with this, but there's so much more that we can control. And I think understanding that we can control that and then looking to find the people who can help you because we haven't been taught all of us how to do this. And none of us know all the answers, but there are many, many good people, yourself, myself, many different companies who are like trying to make a difference. And, you know, these people can help. And so if you reach out, find the people and, and get the answers and you take that control of your life to to do the things that are going to help you ultimately. And, and that's going to lead into improving all of the rest of your life. And if fitness can be the, the catalyst for that, the, the launching pad, then, then that's amazing. There's many ways to get into it. I think getting into the gym is, is an easy one to, to enter into this. Um, but 
you know, different for different for each person anyways, but we can always like, it's in, it's within our control. That's, that's the end message there. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, uh, there's a lot of thought leaders in the space, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, like podcast extraordinaires, you know, Ben Greenfield's incredible wealth of information. Uh, Dr. Huberman is a, you know, supremely, um, credible source of information where you can empower yourself. But, you know, there, there's a time for listening. There's a time for talking. There's a time for doing. And, uh, I think if a lot of people overthink things or afraid to pull the trigger and make a mistake or not do something right. And I think discipline equals freedom. And if you don't have, or know someone who can show you a work ethic, show you how to work, how to, even if you're, even if you're, you're, you lack the meticulous, um, form attention to form, just do it, just start. You can course correct along the way, um, holding yourself accountable. Um, the, these are, these are things that are almost like relics, you know, um, to human behavior. And it, it's something that I know that at the end of my life or whatever it is, um, you know, my kids and whatever I'm able to give them is all going to come from that one word discipline. I'm not accomplishing anything without it. And, uh, I had an original point I was going with this, but it, it, it's something that you can riff on constantly. Um, but there's a, there's a, a threshold that we have in our preconceived notion about our capabilities that we can confront every day. And if we do our best, honestly, with our heart to confront that threshold and we, we go a little farther, there's a, there's a something on the other side of that threshold every single time, every single time it is a non-perishable, right? It's a, it's a, it's a gift that keeps on giving. And I think if you, uh, if you really, it's a, it's a, it's a leap of faith. It, it, it's this intangible space, this feeling, right? And you can look at it by the numbers and you can, you know, gauge it with metrics. You can look at brain chemistry and all that stuff, but experientially, subjectively there's no one that can explain that to you and that's the gift that you have to give yourself there's a lot of people out here trying to tell you um you know do this to be socially accepted you know you're caring about what people think i'm telling you um there's a biological roadmap to your happiness it's a neurochemical response to how you engage with your environment and if you're not getting after it and digging in yourself and finding out what you're made of, you are missing the greatest treasure that you could ever experience. The, the, the no end of joy and meaning that you can extract from your life from digging, digging in yourself, going through that threshold, telling yourself, I don't know if I can, and, and finding some way of, of doing it. There, It's just it's a game of inches. It changes everything. Opportunities come. It's a mindset. It's the law of attraction, whatever you want, however you want to categorize it. It's this thing outside of yourself that you become when you experience what you have yet to experience. So the best, the best quote, I think to, to sum that up, I'm sure this is when you've heard Socrates, he said, no man should grow or woman, no man or woman should grow old 
without realizing the strength and beauty of which his or her body is capable of. Or what a shame it would be for a man to grow old without realizing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable of. And that that is kind of like a little bit how how I kind of live my life. It's like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go to the Olympics. I'm not doing that. I'm that's not happening. But that's okay. But you know, like let's push the limits. Like let's see what's what's on the other side of that, and let's continue to like go in that direction and move forward and and use this you know physical vehicle that I've got in my body to 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 be the entry point to that. But then where else does that take me? All these other opportunities that will open up through that, and and if I have this, my body taken care of and pushing the limits and reaching its potential, then what else is going to happen with that? If At least if I've got that under control, then I can free up you know, some cognitive space to worry about the other things. I think another aspect of this that is, that is worth mentioning is that this is more accessible than it is made out to be. Yes, we spoke about some products and, you know, you can have fancy gym memberships and hire a, an expensive coach and like, and all this stuff that there are economic reasons that would prohibit certain people from partaking in those activities and using those tools. That That's unfortunate, but it is what it is. No one is stopping you from being a little bit better than you are today in some other means. You can go for a walk. And if you go for a walk, maybe you can walk one minute longer than you walked yesterday. You can go outside and, and go for a run. Like There is always something that you can do. It doesn't have to be the grandest thing ever. It doesn't. The, the point of what you're saying is not to be the most fit person in the world. It's just to be a little bit better than you were yesterday. And that's, and that's where I think some of the magic is. It's not about this comparison game. Are you better than you were yesterday? And that's, and that's what we have to think about and find ways to, to do that in our life. Yeah. You, you know, I often kind of take my life in a, through a theological lens. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peterson as is mm-hmm. so many. But I, I love how he frames um, human behavior in somewhat of a in, in staunched in a kind of a, a pre-existing religious context, because I believe that some of the fundamental principles that you can extract from whether you're talking about stoicism or or you're talking about, um, you, know, re, you know, orthodox religion or even whatever, like paganism or whatever you're talking about, or just. Uh, shamanism. The, there's fundamental things, and, and one of those fundamentals is is sacrifice. You know, there's uh, every tribe has a tradition of if you take something from the earth, if you kill an animal, you have to put something back. You have to sacrifice, and I think that's so embedded in human behavior. And I think it, I think our behavior is embedded in the energetic. Uh, ebb and flow of nature um, more than we consciously realize. And I think that you, in terms of practically applying what I'm saying into your life, it means what are you willing to sacrifice to experience what you have yet to experience? Because you already know what it's like to sit there and to make excuses or to sit there because your brain's smart. Your brain is the the most prepared opponent that you will ever face. Mm. And when the environment is dictating to you comfort, a thousand reasons to stay comfortable, but there's one unknown reason that could lead to a road of greatness. If you're willing to sacrifice that comfort to step into that potential, the world 
will transform for you and your body will reflect that and you will become a living, walking miracle and inspiration to people because you, you, you refuse to accept mediocrity and you, you self-govern yourself. You're, you have personal sovereignty. And without that, without personal sovereignty, we're just going to be, it's going to be the new world order. <laughs> we're just going to be slaves. So. I, I, I love that. And, and here's a connection back and, and, you know, I'm going to kind of lay it out and you tell me what you think with the bliss product. That is a psilocybin microdose. Obviously it's a microdose. You're not having a full on psychedelic experience, but with psychedelics, there is, you know, the quote unquote ego death and the separation from the self. And so when you speak about the aggression and using it through your workouts, I haven't worked out while using it. I've taken it on just regular days, but not worked out. But when you speak about this aggression, and it's not an aggression as we typically use that word, but it's a, I can do more. I can do more. Do you feel that maybe part of that is like a little bit of that ego death, a little bit of that, I can push through this discomfort. I can get that. And so it's that, it's that microdose that's just, you know, that little tiny little voice back there that's getting you to push just a little bit more. And so it's another one of these compounds that's been used for hundreds, thousands of years you know, we, we modernize it and we use it and it makes us realize things about ourselves that we didn't really think about before in a, in a different way that makes it feel like we thought of it because we did, but we had to unlock it in a way. Does that sound like it kind of makes sense to you? It, it, I would say you're onto something. I would say that's plausible for sure. I think um, there's a, there's a, a consciousness we've co-evolved with these compounds um, psilocybin being something that, you know, through Amanita muscaria or, you know, various, uh, various mushroom species in the Amazon, um, it goes back a long time and there's an, there's an altered state and people say, well, I have a problem with an altered state. Well, then if you're watching TV or, or driving your car, you're in an altered, um, it's something that I feel when you have defined who you are based on you know, this comfort zone that you're in. And then you use a compound to, to really awaken some new feeling of I can, and that those typical, uh, you know, patterns that govern your, your way of thinking about yourself are, are, are perturbed. I think you can really start um, disrupting that normality and discovering something that could be revolutionary. And, if you can safely do that on a normal, consistent basis, I think your life takes a completely different trajectory. And uh, this is a great product for doing that. Yeah. Microdosing. And I've done, I just did a, I did a three day ayahuasca retreat here in Florida um, about a month and a half, two months ago now. And uh, you know, I've, I've experimented with, with, you know, ketamine. I've done a lot of ketamine, which I find, extremely profound and beneficial um uh dmt psilocybin lsd um most of which were microdosing with lsd psilocybin microdosing but um yeah that ego death is real and um I've, i have a near-death experience as well i was in a coma for five days I, I had a pulmonary embolism i was induced into a coma I've got a tumor in my heart called an atrial myxoma. So I, I was on the other side for a little while and uh, I was disembodied consciousness. I woke up on my birthday. I jumped back in my body. I extubated myself and uh, 
one thing I learned in that whole experience in 2015, October 9th, 2015, when I woke up at 3 a.m. on my birthday and I extubated myself, the elaborate application of this device and the intubation tube and how it's Velcroed super snug on your face and secured around the back of your head. And then there's a, there's an inflatable tube that's lodged in the base of your lungs. I pulled all that out after being five days in a coma with no, no, no conscious awareness of how that was applied to me. And when I look at the potential of us and how our everyday thought of ourselves and what we're capable of gets in our way a thousand times a day. And then I realized like, there's some days I wake up. I don't even know where I am. Sometimes it's like, well, I gotta get, give me a minute. You know, it's like after five days, I was able to precisely pull this thing off my face and not rip my vocal cords out. The doctors asked, they're like, how did, how'd you do it? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> it's one of those things where you just go, what else is inside me that I'm not realizing I'm capable of. And that question, not only confronting the fact I could have died, but the question of the gift that that death provided me, you know, whether it be an ego death through psychedelics or a near death experience, a car accident, end of a relationship, all these ends that we face in our life. What's the gift that the death is giving you? Death is a lot more generous than people realize. And in terms of shattering the pre-existing paradigm, you picking up the pieces and reconstructing your life, holding on to the things that you value most and proceeding, you know, with the best efforts from there. I think it's, I think that's, that's an untapped thing. I think death is more generous than life. That's a very powerful story. I think, I think a lot of these kind of experiences and, and the, the psychedelics and the compounds and the methods of getting to these conclusions, they're boundary pushers. They show you something more than what you thought is possible or plausible. And then I'm, I'm sure you, you feel the same, but in my experience with them, it's like, well, what else then? What else am I missing here? What else is, what else can I do? What else can I see? What else can I feel? Can I experience and the list goes on. And so you forever, you know, sort of chase that. And I don't spend every single waking moment of my life chasing that, obviously, but I'm always thinking like, well, if this is possible, well, why not this? And what about it? Maybe it is possible, maybe it isn't, but it's worth a try. And maybe mm -hmm. I'll learn that it wasn't possible or that it sucked or whatever that thing is. But that's okay. Try again. Try something else. Try something new. Have a new experience. Have a better experience. Have a worse experience. And for every bad experience, you're going to come back out of it a little bit stronger, right? It's that, you know, the what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type of thing. You got to go into the dark places to find the light places kind of thing. I think even, you know, what you said about a relationship, you know, a lot of people might be scared to end relationships, of course, because it's scary. It's comfortable when you're in that relationship. Everything seems great, but maybe things aren't as great as they seem. Maybe that relationship mm -hmm. does need to end and you were okay before that relationship. So what makes you think you wouldn't be okay afterwards? Maybe you'll take something from that, right? Maybe you'll learn something from it. Maybe you'll grow from that and become a better person in some other way. But it's these these boundary pushers that that we need. And this is by no means like go out and do psychedelics. Like obviously that's a whole complicated other issue that, you know, that's a totally separate, longer conversation. But, mm. you know, find ways to 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 push the boundary. And again, maybe exercise is like 
the entry to that. You ran for 10 minutes, can you run for 11 minutes? Push that boundary. And if you ran for 11 minutes, why not 12? And then just build on that. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, there's a couple of great metaphors in there um, to, to broaden the context for listeners. Uh, what we're talking about is, you know, uh, there's a child that's brought into the world every day through the labor of a woman. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of, of sacrifice, right, and, and pain. And uh, that, that, that child, you know, thank God it doesn't have the executive function developed yet to make a choice of going through what would be probably the hardest thing that humans go through um, besides knowing that you're dying. You know, the, the blunt impact of some traumatic death is probably pretty heavy psychologically. Um, and, but <laughs> I always thought it was funny how, you know, children go through birthing process and, you know, it, if they had the cognitive function to say, you know what, I just don't want to go. They probably <laughs> would. I just don't feel like going through all that right now. You know, I'm kind of comfortable on here, but it's, it, you know, and working out is this death rebirth thing every day. You know, you, you willingly submit yourself to a program that um, we, we use the word program. It's like, it's not even, you know, that doesn't even conceptually invigorate the potential of what, what's in a workout. You're an ambassador of human potential when you walk into a space where you're ready to get active. If you're rolling on a mat or you're doing jujitsu or you're going for a run or you're on an ocean kayak or you're surfing or you're, whatever you're doing, you have this opportunity to break yourself a little bit and the physiology knows what to do already adapt right you provide a, a resistance you know you you face that resistance you face failure the, there's an adaptation and that you know inherent ability to adapt has atrophied not because it's not physiologically available because it's psychologically not utilized and i think that that's if you can get something in a bottle like what we're talking about with nootropics and just get people to that place of willingness to try, you know, willingness to experience the fact that you will survive and your body will adapt. You start being more confident and impressed with the fact that it's taken 4.6 billion years for these bipedal, you know, frontal lobe creative creatures called humans that can dream and create and, um, have free will. It's like, it's a, it's a journey. Yeah. It's, it's something that sometimes we need a little bit, we need a little bit of that extra push and it can come from other people. It can come from other environments and it can come from, you know, some, some modern products as well. Like even with the gym analogy again, it's like, you know, you've been obviously in the gym way longer than I am. You're a little older than I am. How many people do you know that have been in the gym for years and have never improved their physical condition or very little, probably tons. And it's because just doing the thing is not always enough. You still have to continue to push that boundary. If you've been, you know, bench pressing a hundred pounds for the last 10 years, 
that's very comfortable for you. That's not, that's not enough to grow or, or physically, psychologically, emotionally, anything like there's, there's something that happens when you get under a heavy bar and you hit a PR and you know, you're not sure if you're going to make it, but you, you, you hit the lift and there's something psychologically that happens there. That is, that's a beautiful thing that very few people unfortunately will ever experience, but more people should. And, and, but again, you need to willingly go into that suffering, willingly seek that out, willingly go through it, and then you'll reap the rewards. But saying, yes, I accept this challenge, I impose this challenge upon myself, that's the hardest part, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. That, that comfort, that mediocrity, that, that false sense of security, that ego of saying, you're good enough. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it's when I wake up in the morning, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's around my waistline or it's, uh, it's the book that's by my side that I said I was going to read an extra chapter of it's, the you know, the f- bad food choice I made yesterday. Uh, bah, well, it's okay. It's okay. All those little things are chipping away at you. And I'm not saying don't enjoy life. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that at least, you know, for me as a man, and I'm almost 50, you know, um, it, I have been my worst enemy in my own life. And there's a window of opportunity that you have as a man to be able to experience your potential. And when though, when that window shuts, the, the pain of regret is something that is so debilitating. I, I see what older men turn to. I see what coping mechanisms they use when they didn't set these foundational practices of, of this healthy lifestyle. And uh, it's not good. It's not good. You, you, the last thing you as a man want to be when we're evolutionary, we're designed to protect and provide. When you, when you lose the capacity to do both of those things, you become the most impotent kind of creature on the planet, you know? Um, so it's this thing, man, it's always there. It's all, it's under every rock. It's under every little thing that we think is okay. It's like the minute you, the minute uh, that, you know, I had a, at my daughter's school, there's a, you know, you, they go to Palm beach County school. It's a it's a really good school district. Um, but recently there was an individual there who was kind of like, he was, he had been inappropriate with some of the students. He's, he's been arrested, he, you know, and this is this thing that's getting exposed more and more. Right. Um, and you know, when, when it was kind of, it's kind of shocking, right. All the, all the parents, everyone was like, oh, you know, like, you know, it's, it's always there. And the, the only difference is, is that we forget, we get comfortable. Those, those things are always around us. We should always be ready. And I'm not saying like, constantly live with the fear that it's there but i think that normality dims the lens of the senses to a degree to where you're not involved enough and if you're not involved in things enough you don't have an accurate interpretation of of reality and i think training keeps you ready i think discipline lifestyle i think supplements cognitive enhancers they always keep you ready you know so yeah, it's being, being an active participant in your own life. You again, see it more than I do, of course, just 
you know, your circle of people that you probably hang out with, but I see it with people at the gym and, and friends of my parents and whatnot. And, you know, they'll come in or in and around 50 years old and, oh, I don't know what happened. I used to be, you know, in great shape when I was in high school. And then I don't know, woke up one day, 30 days later, or 30 years later. And now I'm like this. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You just woke up one day. You were just, things were just happening to you. And you somehow managed to like make enough money to get by and like do stuff. But you know, you lost sight of who you are and your body. And that seems, that seems crazy to me as a, as a young person who hasn't gone through any of that. And I, you know, knock on wood, I don't think I ever will, but that seems, that just seems not right. That seems broken to me. You, you have to be an active participant in your own life and, and actively seek to improve yourself or at least, at least maintain yourself physically, uh, emotionally, cognitively, all these things and just be prepared for the things that life may or may not throw at you. It's, it's better to be prepared, right? What's the better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, right? You, you gotta be, you gotta be ready for stuff. You don't need to be able to like, you know, fight and hurt people and, you know, maybe that's a, that's a good skill probably, but like, that's not a general concern <laughs> in a, in a day-to-day scenario, but you should be able to handle whatever is going to come your way as a man or a woman, anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And, uh, first, first step in that process is to reckon, recognize how embedded and incapacitated we are in a society that's that, you know, it, it's not inherently designed this way, but there have been advantageous opportunists, you know, corporate entities, call them what you will, that answer to a fiduciary duty, have no conscience, no ethics, no morals, just to make profit and to make food that's enhanced with drugs or to have, you know, uh, all of these kind of things that have just infiltrated our life. And so the mainstream, you know, the normal way, the path of destruction is wide and it's available for everyone. And um, this is a call to action. You know, each of us tries to just hold on to the candle that we are to be the best we can be. And hopefully that inspires others to discover within themselves what they're capable of. And it's not a it's not a look at me, like, look at all the shit I've gone through or, you know, uh, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, man, like, you can go through shit and you can still come back from it and you can be better because of it. And, you know, life is always going to test you like that. It's all a test. Every single aspect, if you see it like a test, you'll see like, man, like I, I really fell hard. You know, there was times in my marriage where. I'm one of those guys that like when my marriage dissolved and I realized that, that she was interested in somebody else, I had an abandonment issue when I was younger. So I would immediately turn to a distraction. Number one to, you know, sponge bathe my bruised ego. And number two, to kind of leverage this new relationship against my ex to cause pain. And that's the most bitch ass weak thing a man could ever do. And I just, I learned a lot about that person that was inside of me that was weak, that was incapable of just saying, okay, you're not happy with me. It's been seven years of marriage and two kids. It stings. It sucks. 
you know, but life goes on and you pick up the pieces. Thank you for my sons and on to the next stage in your life. And, you know, fortunately you can take all that energy now that it's, you know, it's, it, it's all been displaced. You can reallocate that energy to a new direction, self-improvement. And that's fortunately, that's what I did. But it was, it's been a series of those events that just break you down into this fundamental part of who you are and the parts of me that I thought were good, that were okay, that oh, we'll just gloss over those things because they're not important. Well, those are, those are huge opportunities to improve my character. And they were huge blind spots because my ego was so, so big that I didn't see like, man, like here I was blaming her because she found somebody else and, you know, they were the recipient of all her attention and my daily efforts are providing for her, giving her a home and all these things. She didn't, those things didn't matter to her. So I was playing the victim, but I think at the end of the day, there were signs along the way that I was just so high on myself, you know, that I, I missed a lot. And uh, I think people get in the game of that too. You know, we, we create a narrative um, that, that, that is biased towards preserving our ego. And then we, um, we use that as a leverage point to, to pick ourselves up and to move forward. So that's in a way that's a healthy part of the ego response. But when we let that false narrative stand and then years later you go, well, they really weren't that bad and all these great memories we had. And then you look back and it's like, how can, how can you make humans with another human? And then you dissolve your marriage and you never speak to them again. You never talk to them again. They become a stranger to you. I mean, that, that's mind blowing for me. That's happened twice in my life. It's a very strange, it's a very strange thing. And, uh, I, I've pondered this question a lot, but, um, there's just so much about the way our brain is programmed to make ourselves feel better that obscures the opportunity to become better. So I'm, I'm guilty as, I'm guilty as charged, man. Yeah, which which I think is a fair thing, and and thank you for for sharing all that. Right? It's like you know, yes, we're talking on the podcast. You're listening to us in your headphones, whatever. But we're not perfect. Neither of us are perfect. Nobody's perfect. We all go through stuff, and we just try and pass on the things that we've learned through the experiences in our life and the, our lives and the people who we've learned from to to you, the listener, to to hopefully so that hopefully you don't make the same mistakes or at least learn from our mistakes. Because as much as, you know, we all go through different things to varying degrees of difficulty and severity, and we can learn through those, we can also learn from other things. Like I've, I've never been married and I can learn from your experience because we just had this conversation, right? I don't have to go through that and maybe it will happen in my life. Maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? But I can learn something from that and, and make my life better and pass that on to the next person. And then we all kind of grow together. But I think it, it goes back to dealing with those uncomfortable things. Like you had to, you know, you've got to go back into those places in your mind, relive those events, quote unquote, to understand, well, what's the good that I can take from this and how can I make this make me a better person tomorrow? Right. Yeah. 100%. Man. That's the opportunity. That's every day. That's the opportunity that, doing an uncomfortable task, performing something you never performed before or going for a run, a jog, a workout, whatever you're going to do, just, just, 
go do it. Just get up. Hopefully this conversation inspires you to try something different, to fail, to revisit that failure. Don't let that failure stand. Take all the things in your life that maybe you were once good at that you quit and revisit them. You know, while there's time, you know, those things are part of your life. They're part of who you are. Don't, don't, don't throw them by the wayside. You know, especially don't, you know, give something that's an unhealthy thing, more attention, focus, and energy than something that you've discarded. That was a part of your life for a long time, whether it be skateboarding or music, or maybe you're a part-time shower singer, you know, it's like, you ever notice you stop singing in the shower we'll start singing in the shower again. You know, it's a, start attracting, you know, the life that you want to live again by doing the things that, you know, if you are uh, a singer, professional singer, it's like, it starts in the shower, you know, it's like, do, do that, live that life, commit to that life. No, you're not a bodybuilder, but you can live like a bodybuilder and you can attract, you know, that lifestyle and, 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 and that discipline and that mindset and that regimen, and you can make tremendous changes in your physiology. So I think that's the message you, to your point, you know, you were saying like, yes, have some reasonable, you know, goals, some small goals that you can get some inertia. People have these lofty goals and it's great to have goals. But when you realize like realistically, like, Oh, that was, that was my ego talking like, you know, delusions of grandeur, you know, it's like, I'm going to do this. And it's like, shit, man, realistically, like what I've got to do to do that. It's like, fuck it, you know, (laughs) but you're just not going to do it. Whereas if you have, if you set some goals that are, that are easy enough, right. I mean, just a run you're born, we're born to run. It's like just doing a run or accomplishing a quick hit training workout or something, or, or, uh, if you're afraid of public speaking, just making it a point to address people and say, hello, how are you today? Like those small little engagements, you'll develop a confidence and an inertia through those little successes. And then you'll find yourself escaping the misery of the patterns of behavior that you called your life. You'll escape that and you'll, you'll allow yourself to bring in the new energies, which will empower you to be this person that you're striving to be. But that requires constant, you know, in interaction with as much as you can, you know, not what you're just comfortable with, but like go sing karaoke. If it sucks, make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> you- no, beautifully, beautifully said, man. And, and a great message. I think, you know, we spoke a lot about pushing the boundaries and challenging yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. That doesn't mean do, you know, go run a marathon tomorrow if you haven't run in three years. That's not, right. that's not pushing the boundaries. That's, that's just being silly, right? Like just do a little bit more, push the boundary a little bit more each and every day and in and every way that you can in your personal life, in your relationships, in your professional life, in your workouts with your health, all that stuff. One, one by one, step by step. And then, uh, you know, we'll get wherever it is that we're going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we'll meet the most interesting, inspiring people along the way that when you're among that tribe of people, those peers that are slightly ahead of you or farther down the road than you, you'll, you'll see that they're those people that choose to make those sacrifices that live that lifestyle that are committed to those hardships and, and, and are living that life. They, 
some of them may be you know, incredibly wealthy, some of them maybe not so much, but the common thread between those people is that they have so much value and appreciation. They've, they've carved out so much meaning in their life because they've been willing to face the hardships and the antidote to all that suffering, you know, it'll become meaningless and you'll become a nihilist. But when you've looked at the end of the days and said, you know what, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer either way. I might as well suffer for the things that mean the most to me. And then when you look back, you'll say, man, it was all worth it. You get the sense of satisfaction of knowing like I cured my own depression I cured my own sense of meaninglessness, my isolation, um, you know, just by paying attention, putting my best foot forward, trying something new and sacrificing and suffering for something better. So wagering failure for success, just that's it. Try it. Totally, totally agree. Even a perfect example of that is this podcast. I, you know, deliberated on this like starting the whole thing over a year and a half ago now for a very long time and even putting myself out there on social media. If I had never done that, I would have never had to had and never gotten to have this conversation with you and all the other wonderful people that I've been able to connect with through this, right? So it's, you, you take that little leap, you push the boundary, realize, okay, I'm okay. Now I can push it a little bit more. Take that next step, take the next step, take that next step. And then things like this happen. So, so if that, you know, if you need a perfect example of this, <laughs> let this podcast, the fact you're even listening to this be an example of, you know, push that boundary, go into those little fear, feel for fearful corners of your mind and, uh, and see what happens because usually it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll learn to trust yourself and how That's valuable. Right. Yeah. Extremely, extremely. David, thank you so much. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. This has been fantastic. Um, let people know where they can follow you, learn more about you, whatever you've got going on. Awesome. So I have a couple of offerings in the marketplace with health and fitness, one of which is Flow2. It's getflow2.com. It's an uh, essential oils, organic essential oils, nebulizing um, hand spray. So it invigorates the respiratory pathway, allows you to breathe better, access the energy from breathing better, focus concentration. I also have a, an app that is a training at-home training app. It's ultrahuman.com. And you can find me also on social media at getmorin.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-R-I-N. That's my social handle, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Awesome. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. This has been a fantastic conversation, man. I, I really appreciate you. Is there anything else that you want to leave the people with here in closing? Just don't quit, guys. Just that that's it. Prove it to yourself and you will shine as an, as an example. Just don't ever quit on yourself because you're stuck with you to the end anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful way to think about it. You're, you're stuck with you. Might as well make the best of it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, David. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening um, at Get Morin on all social media. I'll put the contact info for everything in the show notes as per usual. Um, give them a follow. Follow me as well at Daniel Yoris. Give the podcast a rating and review in all the places. Make sure you challenge yourself, do something hard, love yourself, be a good person, eat some good food, move your body, and that's it. Take it easy.